It's May 9th, 2022, and this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Welcome back. Today on our show, Shopify finalizes its $2.1 billion deliver acquisition. Warehouse market in flux could mean new opportunities for Amazon. Walmart invests in apparel with the launch of a new private label activewear line. Amazon aggregator Thrasio starts layoffs and names new CEO. What the heck is going on with the economy right now? And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains five items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. But first, in our shopping cart full of news. Shopify finalizes its $2.1 billion deliver acquisition. A few points I pulled out of the release. This 80% cash deal makes me worry a little bit that the staff will stick around to see this through in realizing value for Shopify. Second, by my records, this is the largest single acquisition for Shopify since its acquisition of Six River Systems for $450 million. Not a great act to follow. Personally, I would have liked to see them have a chief supply chain officer in place before making such a large commitment, but we'll see if this works out any better last time with this new approach. Three, as some in the audience know, Deliver doesn't own any infrastructure. The asset light approach is likely a much better match for Shopify than an asset heavy one like a ShipBob, but I worry that this solution could disadvantage Shopify merchants long term. The reason is there is only so much control that an asset light network has over the facilities that are part of the network despite the appearances of operational and technology standards. In Amazon's dream scenario, this becomes training wheels for merchants to eventually migrate to a world-class fulfillment technology in fulfillment by Amazon. Our next story. Warehouse market in flux could mean op- new opportunities for Amazon. The simultaneous doubling of its warehouse space in the last 18 months and the slowing economic demand could spell doom for most companies, but I don't see that necessarily for the case for Amazon. First, Amazon is likely about three years behind its non-Amazon parcel carrier plans due to the pandemic, and now with extra capacity, it's just better positioned to look to take share of the market. Ship with Prime is just the start. That is primarily consumer-focused for those parcels to fill Amazon facilities. I expect to see several business-focused initiatives in which the Amazon carrier, i.e. first, middle, and last mile portion, is decoupled from the payment and fulfillment, which is the storage and the ship from Amazon facility. Take note that Amazon runs a ship with Amazon service in the UK and tested it in California prior to the pandemic before canceling it due to the pandemic focus. I expect that to return. Yes, it is entirely possible that Amazon decided that there was no reason to run head-to-head in the U.S. market with people like UPS and USPS, but I highly doubt that will be the company's ultimate conclusion for a few reasons. First, utilization is king. If the trucks are already on the road and the facilities need to be filled, the company is not going to throw money away. Second, USPS will keep losing share. Its network is not materially improving despite the new services being offered and it's middle mile where Amazon is going to win against USPS over and over. Third, because Amazon has the most vehicles on the road now and the largest number of facilities, it has pricing power due to excess capacity that SMBs are willing to soak up. Fourth, there is still a warehouse shortage in the U.S. as vacancies are only at 3.5% nationwide, and that's according to a recent Prologis earning call. That combined with a historically high construction and land cost means that Amazon already has all this cost built up. Now it just needs to deploy growth channels to activate these assets. 
Despite the unexpected drop in revenue at Amazon, SMB e-commerce is still growing like a weed, and as they say, that margin is Amazon's opportunity. Our next story. Walmart invests in apparel with the launch of a new private label activewear line. It looks like Walmart is learning its apparel lessons and is not content to let Amazon be the leading seller of apparel in the United States. Walmart launched Love and Sports, a new activewear brand. Here are a few points about the launch. Activewear continues to grow as a category, up around 37% last year, according to the NPD group. You might even say that activewear is the only apparel category left anymore, and the trend doesn't seem to be diminishing anytime soon. The line, which includes 121 lower-priced activewear and swim items, was created by collaboration with fashion designer Michelle Smith and beloved SoulCycle fitness instructor Stacy Griffith. This move from Walmart is encouraging to me. First, activewear is a great category. Second, it shows that Walmart is willing to take risks with interesting design collaborators and stay true to its customers' value price points. Finally, there is definitely room in this category for more private labels. Private label apparel accounts for over 44% of the category, according to NPD. Target has crossed over $1 billion with its own all-in-motion brand, and Lululemon shows no signs of slowing down. The biggest question in my mind is what do these new activewear brands do to DTC brands like Roan and Viore that have, in some cases, invested hundreds of millions to build a brand? If consumers get more price sensitive and Walmart and Target can nail comfort, it could create downward pressure here. Our next story. Amazon aggregator Thrasio starts layoffs and names new CEO. Well, the SPAC ultimately never materialized at Thrasio and the Reaper has come to take its pound of flesh. Here's what we know. Last year, the company was valued at around $10 billion. In the last two years, the company lost both of its original co-founders and now there is a new CEO in seat, Greg Greeley, who at least has an 18-year Amazon history, so that's something. At its peak, Thrasio was buying two to three Amazon businesses every week and had hundreds of brands in its portfolio. Just think about that for a minute. My take on this news is pretty simple. This is not about taking the company to new heights. No, my friends, that train left the station a long time ago. This is about the adults coming into the room to determine what, if any, value is left at all. After a three to six month assessment, expect another tremendous restructuring and sales of assets. Think of it like a garage sale, folks. There'll be a free to a good home table. There'll be a $1 table. There'll be a $2 table. And anything else will go to higher bidders. Perhaps some of the shell of the company may live to fight another day, but it will not be anything like what Thrasio was supposed to be at the beginning. And our last story. What the heck is going on with the economy right now? You saw it in Peloton in a Petri dish. The hot product on the market faces historical existential demand shock, leading to massive overordering, leading to inevitable reversion to the mean, and resulting in overallocation. Still a great product, but hard to survive. Right now it feels like the entire world is in the grips of this effect, and is not sure what to do about it. Coming into January, forecasts predicted that the first half of the year will be tough, but the second half was very hopeful. Doesn't always every roadmap sound that way? That's completely out the window now, and people are starting to worry about 2023 as well. Just look at all these things put together. China, a country that controls a third of the world's manufacturing, is shutting down entire cities and locking down its own residents. Manufacturers and retailers simply don't know when or what percentage, if any, 
of the orders they are going to receive based on what they placed. The Western Hemisphere is not positioned to take on a significant share of that manufacturing. Western manufacturers are not well positioned to be as efficient as China, leading most brands to conclude that it's better to muddle through the current situation than switch to something with obviously worse service, cost, turnarounds, etc. Executives are concluding that if this affects everyone, I can't be fired for it. There is destabilization and uncertainty in growth markets for big players. Both Amazon and Shopify's biggest growth markets should be Europe and Asia going forward. But name markets that are more affected by the war in Ukraine. Russia is a huge player in those spheres. Cancel culture is also sneaking into retail merchandising. Many suppliers have shared with me that their retail partners' forecasts keep dropping, and this has led not just to minor edits to orders, but major orders at major retailers like TJ Maxx being canceled. It's also affected the car market. Consumers are being asked to pay a premium above sticker price just to reserve a place for a queue for a car. Want to buy a car? Forget about it. It's a complete disaster. No inventory, high prices, no cars to test drive, and salespeople playing cards on the showroom floor. Even products on the shelves cost more and you get less. For example, take my friend who bought plants for the garden for the Costco every spring for the past 10 years. Flowers there last weekend were worse quality, 15% smaller, 20% more expensive. Of course, the friend brought them all anyway. If this is the best Costco's famously amazing merchandising team can do, what hope do other retailers have? And consumer costs are rising and foot traffic is reportedly off. People are more value-oriented. If you're in a job and you get a raise, raises seem to be about 5% right now, which is usually about double what a normal corporation offers, which is great until you realize that prices are up 8 to 10%. Many employees are just throwing up their hands. And while some are loudly predicting that inflation will dissipate, it really won't matter. It's not like we're recovering from COVID now and waiting for a return to normal. The system is still being actively disrupted by new threats, seemingly weekly. My advice, strap in, Watsonians. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have five items on the menu today. First, e-commerce fulfillment provider ShipFusion recently announced a $40 million funding round led by Kanye Partners, but not that Kanye. The company manages and operates warehouses and pairs that with technology designed to help with order fulfillment and operations. Almost like what Shopify Fulfillment wants to do one day but hasn't been able to. Second, Amazon Aggregator Society brands raised $204 million in order to roll up some more Amazon brands. It's a strange time in the aggregator universe, and society brands' timing is pretty poor. Although consider the fact that so many aggregators are unable to deploy capital right now, maybe I'm wrong and that timing is actually good. Still, the aggregator space has its challenges, and new funding isn't going to change that. Third, advertising automation provider Celix was required by Essential. Celix has 90 employees and was based out of Germany. It's not said what the price was, but hopefully this was a good exit for them. Fourth, channel management provider Lengau just acquired e-commerce intelligence startup NetRivals. The company traditionally focuses on tracking the price of your products across a number of competitors. This type of software is surprisingly difficult to get right. And finally, e-commerce reseller platform Flip received $10 million in capital in order to pair a liquidation company with a network of power online resellers that are able to extract the maximum value from that inventory. The company works with channels like ThreadUp, The Real Real, and eBay. I'm a little worried about this model because primarily the quality of the inventory has to be in question if it's going to some kind of matching marketplace. High quality inventory doesn't need this kind of service, 
because it's worth the effort for whoever has it already to sell it themselves. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our show is produced by Citizen Racecar. Alex Brower is the producer and also wrote our theme music. The executive producer is David Hoffman. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.